Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Welcome, Chris Leek, to the Focus on Why podcast. Thank you very much. Well, Chris, I was trying to decide which title to use for you, and I'm not quite sure. I don't want to give any spoilers away for why you're here today. So <laughs> I'm going to go with beer salesman, the dream job everybody wants. And uh, I'll let you explain what that means. Um, yep. So I'm, 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 I'm 33 years of age. Um, I'm Chris Leek. I live in uh, London with my wife and my dog. Uh, and I work for Budweiser Brewing Group um, as a, a UK export manager selling beer all across the world. Fantastic. Absolutely. And, and what does that actually involve, that job? Um, so I lead a, a, a team. And we've set out our new strategy to ensure that uh, we sell beer in a sustainable uh, and profitable way all around the world. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I've been, I've been with Budweiser for now 12 years and enjoy every moment of it. It's a dream job straight out of uni then? Dream job straight out of uni, following in my dad's footsteps, who uh, actually worked for the competitor many, many years ago. Oh, controversial. <laughs> I didn't want to be seen as the boss's son. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. So so you, you're currently in this role and you're doing that, but we're not going to be talking about beer. What are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking today about the power of the mind and my world record uh, achievement uh, last year when I became the fifth person to complete the Arch to Arc, the hardest triathlon uh, in the world. And, uh, and broke the world record in, in doing so. And was that your first big event? It, it was my third. It was my third big event. But um, some may say that I've, I've done some big events. You know, a training run for, for this event was a 100-mile, 24-hour race. And um, I've, done, I've done several other ultramarathons, but um, I class this as my, my top three achievements over the last uh, seven years for sure. So why does this average guy who lives in London with his wife and dog want to go on these incredible types of experiences or challenges? It's a great question, actually, because I enjoy going for a 5K run, a 10K run. However, you know, unfortunately, my father was diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's uh, 17 years ago. And although I enjoy watching the London Marathon and and sponsoring people uh, to achieve their dreams, I wanted to set myself a challenge that not many people would even uh, dream of or believe they could achieve. And uh, I found the Arch to Arc to be that kind of challenge that would would make people go wow. And, um, you know, in the process, uh, would support with a few donations. I wanted to raise a million pounds for, for three charities that uh, are really close to my heart whilst breaking the record in in doing so I don't like to do things by halves and um, you know with the support of my family you know they gave me the green light because there is a lot of pressure um, a lot of training that has to take place and um, and obviously as mentioned a lot of caring for for the support of my dad at the same time so 
yeah, I wanted to kind of test my mind, my body to the fullest to see if I could achieve something this great. And why was it important for you to do that? I think from the age of 16, I've, I've, I have really struggled that, uh, you know, seeing the, my father who, you know, is a, has always been a role model for me, kind of, unfortunately, attracted this disease. And, you know, although he does struggle uh, both physically and mentally, because uh, he also suffers from Lewy body dementia, which he, received, which he uh, was diagnosed with five years ago. I really wanted to kind of support families that are in a similar position to us because this wasn't my mum and dad's retirement plan. And um, yeah, oh, I can I can feel my throat already uh, choking up. But, you know, wanted to kind of um, try and leave a legacy for, for, for those charities and, and try and really make a difference for not only my dad, but for people that, also suffer with with similar diseases and uh, and really make a difference. I'm a I'm an able-bodied individual. I feel that I've you know had a a very lucky and fortunate upbringing, and um, I I just feel like it's time for me to to give back to the local community. And why not do a marathon? Why do something so big like this? I mean, I'm slightly weird. Uh, I'm slightly um, I have slightly a, a, an obsessive kind of personality. And um, I think once I really get my teeth into something, however, however big or however small, it's, um, you know, I find a way, I set, set myself a plan, I set myself a goal, uh, and I've become slightly obsessed. And I'll do anything I possibly can to, to, to achieve that. I was told that I needed to be, uh, I needed to train for three years for this event. I was told that, I wouldn't be able to to train for this in eight months. I'd put too much pressure on my my heart, my body. But I genuinely thought that it wasn't about the amount of training that I needed to do. It was more about could I channel and and, and teach my mind to go through different emotions at different times for three days. You know, we didn't. I say we. This was an individual event, but there is no way I could have achieved this without my team. So I do say we, because, you know, they got me from Marble Arch in London to the Arc de Triomphe in, in Paris in under 70 hours, making sure that I was safe at all times, that, you know, I was fully hydrated, I had the, a good nutrition, and that I wasn't pushing the barriers too far that, you know, there was no way back. So, you know, they were there for, for my health and safety. And, you know, they've done an incredible job because they kept me moving. And, and what, explain the actual journey, what it is you had to do. So the Arch to Arc, it's, um, so it's a, it's a triathlon. I started at Marble Arch in, in London. I started with an 87 mile run down to Dover in Kent. I then uh, put my speedos on and swam across the English Channel. So no wetsuit no wetsuit, no wetsuit. So, you know, um, you know, challenging the, the, the temperature of the water, uh, the shipping lanes and, uh, and the jellyfish. Um, there's a few stories about them. And then I jumped on the bike at Calais, uh, once I'd nipped through passport control and, uh, cycled 181 miles to the Arc de Triomphe in, in Paris. 
And of all the three parts, what did you find the hardest? Um, I really struggled on the swim. I, you know, uh, I'd swam the English Channel before in 2016. So I knew what it took to swim the 21 miles. Obviously, there's a there's a current. So it's 21 miles as the crow flies, but it can be up to 26, 27 miles, depending on on your speed and also the, the current during that that time period. But I didn't realize, although I'd done enough training, that the emotions, the temperature of the water, you know, I started swimming at, at 12.30 at night. So it was pitch black. I was scared, you know, swimming at night with with a with a light uh on the sea doesn't exactly fill you with confidence not knowing what's around you or under you i kind of had to zone out but i was in so much pain you know from the 87 mile run so i'd given myself 10 hours from when i'd finished the run to when i was going to start the swim uh during that 10 hours i i i rehydrated i you know i i had a roast dinner i had a massage and you know i just had to get my mind into the mentality that I was now going to swim the English Channel. Um, but the first three minutes of that swim, I will never forget. I, I begged and pleaded the team to, to call the event off. I, um, I was in so much pain, my hip flexors, although I thought they had froze, they were just, they were just in pain. And, and you know, the, the team knew that I had to get through this first hour, first two hours, get into my stride uh, and get through this. And then, you know, I'd be on the kind of next journey. I'll never forget my, my best friend, uh, Robert, was, uh, was on the boat and I threw my goggles. I threw my goggles at him and I said, it's done. We're done. Uh, I was four, four, four and a half hours in and I said, there's nothing left in the tank. I had very colourful language. As mentioned, I'd thrown my, my goggles at him and they the team actually turned their back on me. They turned their back on me to allow me to have a little paddy to myself, get all that anger out. But what I didn't realize until the end of the swim, what they were doing was getting the fire back in my belly, getting the, you know, the anger out, getting that new lease of energy. It was probably my 15th wind instead of my second. Um, and and it worked. They threw the goggles back at me. They they told me to get on with it. And uh, Rob said, in 30 minutes, we can watch the sunrise together. And it still gets me now because that, oh, that was the turning point of of the challenge. So you mentioned your team. Who who was your team? Who who made up that team for you? And how did you choose them? So my my eldest sister Emma was uh, the team leader. Um, she had done several events with me in the past, including the Ironman, and also had been there for my Centurion uh, run, which is a hundred miles in twenty four hours. So she kind of knew. She knows me inside out. She knows uh, what I'm like, and um, she's obviously knows my reason why very very well. Also, my wife. My wife uh, was was pivotal throughout, you know, the training. She was the one that saw the ups and the downs, the injuries, uh, the mood swings. My wife's a brilliant cook and was the head of my nutrition. So Charlotte managed my my snacks, my drinks uh, throughout the event. 
And then I had a, I had a couple of um, best friends involved because they've known me. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a, a very close unit of friends. We've been friends since we've been 11. They've also been, uh, you know, part of my training and, and came out running and cycling with me. Uh, none, of them, none of them could swim. So uh, they, they tend to keep me, uh, tended to keep away from the water. But, um, you know, I got a team around me that knew me inside out. And finally, I had um, my inspiration with me, which is uh, a lady called Rachel Hill. Rachel was the first woman to ever complete this challenge. So when times were tough, Rachel could, could talk to me and knew what I was going through, where the other team members, they, 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 they could say positive things but they never really truly knew what I was going through. So my team was made up of, of experts in, in their own, in their own way. And, uh, you know, that was the kind of, that was the kind of focus to make sure that I had a team that was very diverse, that had a kind of a diverse way of thinking and that brought different talents to, to, to the full team. And, uh, and for me, I truly believe that was the main reason we, we achieved this. And had you spoken to them before you set out on this and said, look, if I give up, please don't let me? Or what had you, what had you talked about beforehand? So I, I'd, I'd clearly set out the goal. I'd clearly set out what we were going to achieve. And I wanted to break the world record by 10 hours. I, I've been taught in life that if you share your dream, it energizes people around you. And, and kind of people, the, the team knew that they had to, to focus on the time, they had to focus on my health and well-being, and you know we were all energized by that dream of of breaking the world record they also knew they had to you know share the 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 content the media get you know get people involved to to raise sponsorship money because i wanted to raise a million pounds so that was another kind of key dream of ours so by by discussing this as a team months before the actual event Everyone knew what they had to do. And when times did get tough in training or, you know, we weren't getting the media coverage that we, we had hoped, then we kind of reset. We kind of said, right, don't forget what we're trying to set out. And, you know, it always re-energized people to, to always bring their best. And um, I, for me, uh, as, as a leader of a team as well, in my, in my personal life, uh, in my sorry professional life, I, I, th- I, I truly believe that's key. You know, make sure you've got your goal, you know, your ambitious goal set out, and make sure everyone knows, you know, how we're going to get there. And uh, it truly does energize you and motivate you to to get there. So your team got you across the channel. They 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 did, and um, there there was many ups and downs. Once we got through that that first four hours, you know, I mentioned about the sunset. Uh, and we watched that for for 30 minutes and you know when I say we watch it I you know I didn't stop swimming but when you look into someone's eyes you know it's um it's very emotional sometimes because you kind of know what people are thinking without talking and you know with the team on the boat you know they could see the pain that I was going through in the swim and I could see the love and the care that was coming from them um but we watched that sunset. Oh God, <laughs> God, what have you done to me? We watched that sunset 
together and it was um it, it, you know it's one of those things that you know uh, blokes don't really talk about their emotions that much of it uh you know i won't forget i, I certainly won't forget that excuse me <laughs> That's incredible. So you just you just land anywhere on the coastline in France? Uh, I was very, very fortunate. Um, throughout my training, I'd always visualised landing on a sandy beach. And in 2016, when I sw- successfully swam the channel, I actually landed on uh, rocks. And it was so painful because I had to pull myself out of the sea onto these rocks. You know, I... Uh, scratched my whole body because you have to exit the water fully for the siren to go for it to be successful and I was successful in 2016 however during the A2A I got the dream of um, landing on a sandy beach and having that James Bond moment where I was able to put my feet down for the first time in just over 15 and a half hours and walk up and I'm very fortunate that um, a, a passerby recorded the moment and yeah, I walk up, I walk up the beach and my wife's there uh, looking absolutely stunning <laughs> and I'm looking absolutely terrible and I just fell into her arms and just burst into tears and just fell to my knees. It was very, it's very Hollywood, <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, it was just, raw emotion that you know that visualization that i had used through training to get me through those tough swims had actually become a reality however in in essence i'd actually only achieved two-thirds of the target so i had my moment i had my cry and you know i gave my wife a a kiss uh, because my wife wasn't on the boat she had to transport everything from the UK to France, my, uh, my bike and the car. And then I had to get back into the sea because obviously I, I hadn't, you know, I just landed in France. I just swam to France. So I had to get back in the sea. I had to swim back to the boat and had to, uh, the boat driver had to take us up to Calais so I could to go through passport control. But uh, yeah, very magical moment that, um, you know, it's still a struggle to watch now again because it just it just it just gives me so much energy knowing what we went through uh so you know during these challenging times of covid it's kind of i can i can put that video on and i can kind of say to myself we've been we've been through tougher times than this you know get yourself together make sure you you know you you rally people around you because i feel that you know, I can, you know, I can go that extra mile to kind of support the people that, that really need support. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely video. I'll, uh, I'll definitely share it with you. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. At a later time. Thank you. So tell me, you then got on the bike. I did. I did. So I, so went through passport control and I was craving a McDonald's. Uh, I just needed just greasy food so um was that approved by charlotte though (laughs) it was approved by charlotte (laughs) i got um i got my five chicken selects and uh i think i got a cheeseburger as well and um yeah we we sat by the car 
we rejoiced for a couple of minutes on what we had actually achieved. But going back to that planning, that, that planning stage before the event, I kind of didn't want to kind of rejoice and think, you know, what I'd just achieved. We had to kind of get back to what the dream was, which was then to complete 181 miles and break this world record. In my heart, and I can say it now, I knew that if I didn't get knocked off the bike, I was going to break that record. However, punctures, you know, tiredness, other road users, you just never know uh, that there were still so many kind of external factors that could have affected this. So we had to kind of refocus. We had to remain disciplined, you know, constant, you know, remain consistent as, as the three key principles that we, we promised. And um, yeah, once I had my food, we found a, a, an area that I could have a quick shower just to kind of, you know, wake up. And, uh, and yeah, we got on the bike and, and started cycling to, to Paris. It was, it was, it was around uh, half nine at night. So I knew the, the darkness was going to fall soon. And um, I wanted to kind of get a really good start because, again, didn't know how I was going to feel in, in a few hours time. So is there a deadline that you have to complete this in, time frame wise? So the, the, you get in an 11-day window to complete all three disciplines. However, the stopwatch, as soon as you leave Marble Arch, the stopwatch doesn't stop. So the 10-hour break I mentioned uh, in after the run, the couple of hours after I'd swum the channel, the clock was always the clock was always moving. So you know you need to. You need to eat, you need to sleep. In total, I had uh, one hour, 90 minutes, uh, sorry, one hour, 30 minutes sleep uh, throughout the whole period. The, the key for me was just to keep moving, just keep moving forward. And, um, you know, eventually we would get there. And when I was feeling tired, I love coffee. And so, uh, you know, that was my treat to, to have a coffee and obviously, I tried to keep my heart rate below 140 so I wasn't burning too many calories. But again, I'm not a professional athlete. I, I didn't have any professional training. It was only what I had read and um, asked for advice from kind of fellow, just fellow normal people. <laughs> and I mentioned Rachel had obviously gone through this before and, and Rachel um, was there from start to finish. So uh, it, was, it was good to kind of lean on her where I needed to. So not only did you have 90 minutes sleep, but that meant the whole team only had 90 minutes sleep too. Yeah, yeah, not far off. So, uh, you know, they, they, they couldn't really nod off in the car. So during the run and during the cycle, I had a support vehicle that carried all my food and, you know, spare clothing. But because the adjudicator had to always see me uh, and would constantly get in and out of the car, you know, the team couldn't really fall asleep in, in the support vehicle. You know, I had so much support on the run, you know, that there was there was someone there cheering me on every 20 minutes because, you know, I, I live in Kent, you know, family's all from Kent uh, and so are my friends. And they had literally planned to be at certain milestones throughout the event. So I'd done, you know, I ran 87 miles with a smile on my face. Uh, it was, again, incredible support that kind of got me through this and and the same with the cycle you know my my dad's two best friends who again he's known from from school 
came out to see me and were in Boulogne, which is around 40 miles from Calais. It was around two, two and a half hours. And, um, you know, they were there. It was, it was uh, midnight and, you know, they, they knew how much it meant to me. And, you know, they, they, they drove all the way to Boulogne just to, just to give me that cheer for, you know, for, for a couple of minutes. So, and what did, what did it mean to you to have the support? I can kind of, you know, saying thank you and, you know, um, you know, giving them a cuddle, you know, I, I, I'll never be able to really, oh God, here I go again. I'll never really be able to kind of um, truly thank them enough. Oh God, one sec. Oh God, here we go. Here we go again. Um, I'll never truly be able to thank them enough. They, um, they know I'm, you know, slightly crazy and, you know, everyone thought I was absolutely mad to, to attempt to challenge like this, you know, you know, training in between work and, you know, um, you know, general life living, you know, um, I just, I just, yeah, just no words can describe how much I, I, you know, I thank my team for getting me there, but, you know, that same thanks goes to uh, all, all the support, uh, friends, family, colleagues that, that came, that came along the trip. Um, oh, there we go. Big, deep breath. <laughs> So do you feel that you've now created a legacy that you're proud of, that you were hoping for? I'm, or, or is there more? Uh, I, I set out to, to achieve three, uh, three steps. I, I wanted to complete an Ironman, swim the channel, and then the A to A was the third. Is there more left in the tank? 100%. I find staying healthy, staying, you know, um, staying active uh, really helps with my, you know, my mental framework. You know, I've not got mental issues, but I do struggle. And, you know, I find that when I come back from a run, you know, when I come back from the gym, I feel really good. And, you know, it makes me, it helps me believe that I can help other people, you know, by, by staying active feeling fit, feeling good in my body, that it enables me to kind of be a better me for the people around me, you know. And I'm talking about, you know, my mum, the full-time carer, my two sisters, my wife who has to put up with me. And we've kept it quiet, but, you know, my my wife's due um, in 15 weeks, you know. And people have known that, you know, we've had to go through IVF and, you know, we're not kind of ashamed of that. But again, it's another challenge, and um, by, by staying fit, by staying healthy, I feel that I can be a, be a better person. So do I think this is the end of my achievements? No, I, I do think there'd be another thing. I always set ambitious goals and, and always want to push myself as far as I can. But I think I also need to be sensible. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to becoming a father for the first time and uh, supporting my family with the with my father so when I'm not too sure but I do I do think that I think once you get the bug for something like this it, it never really leaves you and uh and that 
that self-fulfillment, that, that feeling of, you know, achieving something, however big or however small, it, it's, it's a feeling that it is very personal. I, I helped a, a, an individual recently run their first 5K and I got as much enjoyment from that, believe it or not, than, than this event in itself. And it sounds silly, but I kind of looked at that individual and I looked into their eyes and I thought, you're going through the same pain within 30 minutes that I went through this challenge, but it's still the same pain, you know, mentally, you know, you hit that mental block, you know, and once you break through that, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. You get that second wind, you get that second movement. It, um, you know, I'd love to continue to train people to be able to achieve that, that feeling. It's, um, it's, it's something that words can't really describe if I'm honest. And how does someone who has had no proper training, no sort of proper trainers, go to become or get to become a, a world champion? <laughs> it's um, I'm always learning, so I'd like to think that I'm a, a you know a bit of a sponge. So the Dover Channel training team, uh, there's a lady down there called Emma France who who runs this. I kind of just listen to to what she said, and you know. Uh, listening to the people around her and learning from that. Not everything worked for me, but that the concept of it is right. And and then you kind of need to kind of structure it in a way that that fits with you. Be that uh, your your lifestyle or or your kind of habits. So kind of always learning from others. You know, I never think my way is the the right way. Every day is a learning day. You know, even running like my running style. I kind of making sure that you know when you when I watch other people and and trial new things you know I'm never afraid to kind of admit that I was wrong maybe pushing my body too far so something that someone taught me once was you need to understand if your body is trying to give you an excuse or if you need to listen to your body and this is really important especially like during marathon training because you can kind of overtrain and I'd certainly overtrained in the past I've had shoulder operations uh, I've broken bones because I've pushed myself too far or you know jumping off certain things you shouldn't and um and sometimes yeah just listening to your body is is very important but you need to distinguish what's an excuse don't do that because you're tired or you probably need to stop now because you know you've had a very good day and you know you need to now rest so yeah, always listening and always learning is uh, is key. And I can't I can't believe the story. It's just it's just incredible. It's just so it's given me goosebumps listening to you. It's been very emotional hearing your journey. <laughs> I've had to hold back the tears myself just sort of speak listening here. Yeah. I can't imagine what it must have felt like to have gone through all of that. But why or what got you through that? Why did you do it? My my dad is my dad was the life and soul of uh, any room uh, that he was in um, when when he was physically and mentally able. He he was an individual that would pull people up when they you know thought they were out for the count. He would help people believe in themselves. To, to keep moving forward, to, to kind of move mountains. He was that kind of person that, you know, would break down those 
kind of walls of limitations that that people set up and i i genuinely feel that kind of you know he's he's taught me those kind of life values and kind of i kind of wanted to put them in action and then i kind of wanted to kind of once i had kind of proven it that that it can be done i i want to kind of share that message with others to just just pass on that kind of you know when you're down get back up and, and keep moving forward he's um you know he's a he's an individual that um that just you know the the pain and the suffering that he has to deal with every day you know he kind of kind of brushes it off and and tries to keep moving forward and and tries to deal with this as best he can so huge inspiration for me and uh yes i wanted to kind of support those three charities that i mentioned parkinson's louis body dementia and then the alpinson saxon center i wanted to kind of give them the funding to build a cure for these disease diseases and and then for the alpinson saxon center it's a it's a local care center respite center that uh supports the community and uh you know without these there's there's thousands of charities but um you know without these three charities i i, I just felt that i could really make a difference for for them all that's incredible and you know the respite centers that people go to you can see how much it means to the people who go there and 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 also for the people who are working there how rewarding it must be to see the the, the value they add I think I think also for for the full time carers. So it gives my mother uh, five and a half hours of uh, respite herself. So enables her to kind of uh, maybe go and get her hair done, you know, have a bit of me time, which is very important. It might even just be having a couple of tea and a nap, but very important. And yes, it's uh, you know I'd like to think you know we won't need to be there ourselves, but uh, if if we ever do need to to use these respites when when we're older then um that that we make sure that we uh put them in the best best way possible and uh, and this is what I, what I want to do for the Orpington Saxon Centre. Fantastic Chris I can't tell you how amazing it's been having you on today I've just I know that when people listen to this, they're going to be reaching out just desperate to sort of congratulate you and say, you. well done. It's, it's and on behalf of them for right now, I'm going to say well done, because that was an incredible <laughs> feat. You must be so proud of what you did. I have to admit, I didn't expect myself to get so emotional, but um, I think uh, it's quite nice to stand still and, and just kind of uh, look back and look at what we achieved. And um, yeah, I, I'm super proud of, of the team I'm, I'm proud of myself and um yes it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you so thank you very much for having me on oh a pleasure and if you could if i could just ask you to leave one more message for the audience what would that be I, i'd probably say that exercise is is one of the biggest enablers for a healthy mind it's proven to to moderate depression reduce anxiety breaks down stress cycles and sharpens your mental ability so you know, overall, it's a powerful energizer, and, and I certainly do. I use exercise uh, as often as I can. So, I just urge you all to get active, be that a daily walk or uh, or or a marathon. Set yourself a goal, and yeah, get out there and go and achieve it. 
Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star iTunes review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of the inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.